Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. An outstanding feature that appears again and again throughout the pages of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New, is a river. The river was prominent in Genesis, and the river appears in the books of history and the books of the prophets in the Old Testament. This river is still flowing in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John where the river flows out of the pierced side of the Lord Jesus, and it continues to flow right through the final chapters of Revelation, where it is seen proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb in the New Jerusalem. In all of these mentions, the river is a very positive factor, very much related to the matter of the divine eternal life. One of the more striking appearances that this river makes is in Ezekiel chapter 47, where it's seen flowing out of the house of God. In this chapter, it becomes a deep river, too deep and too wide to be passed over, but one that we have no choice but to abandon ourselves to and swim in. John Pester has joined us for our next to the last broadcast, this life study of Ezekiel. And, John, we have saved the best till the next of last in many ways. This is a, a wonderful portion of Scripture and a very enlightening life study before us, isn't it? This is a very special life study because it really speaks of God's desire, God's purpose to flow himself into man, but it also comes at a point in the book of Ezekiel that shows that God's river is intrinsically related to God's building. A lot of times we have a kind of individualistic aspect and consideration about the experience of life and the flowing of life and our relationship with the Lord, but there's a corporate aspect to the river that Ezekiel especially emphasizes, and I think that's what's really important and special about this particular message. Yeah, I, I, perhaps if we connect this mention to its mention at the end of uh, Revelation where it's seen coming out of the throne in the city of God, which is the enlargement of the house, uh, somewhat the same vision, but a little bit expanded in Revelation, but this is the corporate aspect, as you mentioned, isn't it, of the flow of the divine life as a river. And we can see this clearly because we've had all of these previous messages talking about the temple yeah. and the design of the temple, but it's only after the temple is complete and we see the full vision of the temple that Ezekiel sees the vision of the river. And so there is an intrinsic relationship between the building of God and the flowing of the river and our experience of that flow of the river. This is the issue of the building of God that is so critical, and it becomes a very subjective issue and a very vital factor because, as we'll see, Lord willing, before the program is over today, the flow of this river and our relationship to it has everything to do with the kind of salvation that we are really experiencing. And I'm talking about in a subjective way, not in the objective salvation, right. but in the subjective salvation, being saved day to day. 
in our daily life. We really need to be immersed in this river, don't we? That's right. John, let's look at the verses here in Ezekiel 47 that show the vision that Ezekiel got of the river and how it was related to the house. Verse 1, and that chapter says, Then he brought me back to the entrance of the house, and there was water flowing out from under the threshold of the house to the east. For the house faced east, and the water flowed down below the south side of the house on the south side of the altar. Here is this water. We'll find out more in the coming verses related to the description of this water and the river that it becomes. But at this point, why don't we join Witness Lee for the first portion? And again, the key factor we want to keep in mind, the river is not mentioned in Ezekiel until we get to this point in chapter 47. Here's Witness Lee. Tonight, we come to the river. Hallelujah for the river. Something flowing. But don't forget... The flow is now in chapter 1, even up to 37, it was good, but still there was no, no water. It is until we come to chapter 47, here we have the water. The water flowing is not in any chapter previous to chapter 47. Why would you please tell me why? Well, let me check with you. Suppose you were the Lord up to this point. You'll be more than happy. Firstly, you have a house to put your feet on. All the place of my throne, the place of the soles of my feet, the place where I can dwell for rest and satisfaction. And look at my people. Everyone is according to my house. Wonderful. Not everyone just according to the Ten Commandments of the law, but according to the form, fashion, pattern, statue, and laws of my house. What can wonderful people today they are? And look at the priests. My, the sons of Zadok. They all serve me in the proper way. And look at all the offerings. All the yearly offerings and the monthly offerings and weekly offerings and daily offerings and all the offerings and all the solemn feasts. I say again, suppose you were the Lord. Wouldn't you be happy? Amen. I think you would jump up. You would be so happy and dance around. <laughs> now you understand why it is up to chapter 47. The, the river comes up. Oh, the Lord now is so happy. So happy. He just let go. So the river flows. It comes out of the house. You know, wherever and whenever on this earth. If there is a group of believers, would be built up in unity. Just as what Ezekiel describes. Right away you will see the river flows out of that building up. Amen. The river flows out of that building. It depends upon the building. If in your place there is such a house where the law could say, this is the place of Metron. And this is the place where I could put the soles of my feet on. 
And this is the place where I can dwell, rest, and be satisfied. You be assured, the flow will come up. The flow comes out of the proper building. John, this is um, a striking connection between, you know, the river of God's life flowing out and what it is flowing out of. And here in chapter 47, it's flowing out of this built-up house, this dwelling place where God has his throne, where he can put the soles of his feet. But most importantly, it's where his people were functioning in a proper and connected way. It's not just an inanimate building that he's waiting for, for to bring forth this river, is it? I think if we understand witnessly speaking in relationship to the building and we associate that with a physical building, we have a completely wrong understanding of what he's speaking about. We're speaking about the church as a spiritual house built up with the believers functioning as a holy priesthood unto God and expressing God by being built up and being blended together with other believers. We're not talking about a physical building. The river does not flow out of a physical building. The river flows when there is a spiritual building of God among a group of believers on the earth. And I think that is what is so striking is that the river is only revealed at this point after the house of God, which is the church as the building of God, is built up at the end of Ezekiel, then the river flows. The real flowing of the Spirit, the real experience of the triune God as the eternal life comes when we, as individual believers, are corporately built up with other believers to express and contain and testify to all that the Lord is through his operation of the divine life in our being. It's not a physical building. It is where there is a spiritual building of God, there is the real flowing of God. In John, according to the words there of the Lord himself, he made himself the reality of the type of the physical building of the temple. Right. The material building was just a type pointing us to Christ, and then later this type is enlarged to be the church together with Christ as the building, the dwelling place, and as you said, the spiritual habitation of God. And uh, it's important when we you know, consider back over these previous messages, uh, once we got to chapter 40, then this whole last section is devoted to the intricate plan of the temple. But in the more recent chapters, even after the temple is built in a physical sense, it was the function of the priests and the kings and the Levites in their service related to Christ in the house that really gets us to this point where now the water can flow forth. That's why Peter speaks about the believers being built up as a spiritual house. That is where the flow is. When the believers are built up at functioning as a priesthood, uh, experiencing and enjoying Christ, offering up Christ in the meetings, speaking and testifying of Christ to others, imparting Christ with words of grace to the fellow believers. When this kind of functioning spiritual priesthood is operative in a particular place, then there is the real experience of the flowing of God. John, let's go forward and look at a few more of these verses in chapter 47, verses 3, 4, and 5. It says, when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, and he led me through the water, water that was to the ankles. Then he measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water, water that was to the knees. Then he measured a thousand cubits and led me through the water, water that was to the loins. Then he measured a thousand cubits, and it was a river 
that I could not pass through, for the water had risen, enough water to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. So incorporated into this vision of the water coming out of the house, over the threshold of the house, there's a significant man there with a measuring line. And it is the measuring work of this man related to the river that is uh, depicted in these verses, and we're going to hear Witness Lee develop that in this coming portion. One thing in this record, that is the main point. What is this one thing? That is the man with the measuring rate. We know this man is the man that looks like the brass. This is the brass man. And we know this is the Lord Jesus. The brass in typology signifies judgment, test. And the Lord Jesus today, he is a man tested. He is a man judged. And he is also a man testing. Not only tested, but also testing. Because he has been tested, so now he is qualified to test. And he has been judged, so now he's qualified to judge. He has the measuring rate in his hand. He's qualified to measure you. To measure means to test, to judge, and to possess. If you are going to enjoy the flow out of the house to be deeper and deeper with you, you got to be measured. By the law, to be tested by the law, to be examined by the law, and to be judged by the law, and eventually to be taken over by the law. Let the Lord bring you into His light. Get yourself fully exposed in His enlightenment. And then you have to say, Lord, all what you have judged will be yours. You just take over you take the full possession. The law has to measure us, has to judge us, has to possess us. Yet, how much he could measure, how much he could possess, this depends upon our cooperation. We do look to the Lord that there will be a fruit that could be a river. The new man can pass through, all have to swim in. John, let me uh, say by way of clarification that uh, back in chapter 40, when Ezekiel was brought to this mountain and first given the vision of the temple and all of the related details, uh, it says in verse 3 of that chapter that he brought me there and there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. That is this same one now who reappears in chapter 47 with a measuring line. And what he's measuring, really, is not the depth of the water so much as he's measuring us, isn't he? He's measuring the people that are in the water. When the river begins to flow, there's people in the water and it's ankle deep. And he measures the river, but he's really measuring the river in relationship to our experience of that river. And so as he measures a thousand the water level rises. What this really signifies, and I think this is a very, very deep point in this matter, is that our experience of the river, the flowing life of God, is dependent upon our willingness to allow the Lord to measure our being in relationship to his building. 
we have to be people that are willing to allow all of our shortcomings, everything that goes against the spiritual nature of God's spiritual house, we need to allow the Lord to come in and judge and test and measure. And that measuring is of a thousand cubits, which in typology means it's a complete measurement. We have to go through these experiences in our life where the Lord comes in and completely puts us under his examining scope, so to speak. And he points out to us everything in our being that is contrary to his building. And as we yield those matters to the Lord and as he measures us, tests us, and judges those matters, then the flow of life increases and the water level rises. I was also uh, really touched by the point that Ezekiel says that the man measured a thousand, and then he measured another thousand, and then he measured another Another thousand, thousand, and he still measured yet another thousand. There were four complete measurings that this bronze man did, which indicates that even we have the initial experience of the Lord coming in and dealing with many, many things. Uh, that is just enough to raise the water level to a certain height. We shouldn't think that because we've had one measuring where we have been perfected, the Lord will come in at a later time in our life, and he will again put us under that examining microscope to refine us and to judge us even further so that the water level can increase. There are four measurings in Ezekiel, which means that the completeness and the perfection of our humanity depends upon the Lord coming in in this kind of detailed way at different points in our life. We shouldn't think that the experiences that we had five years ago, that measuring that we went through five years ago, that that is sufficient for today. The Lord will still come to us and say, I need another thousand. Well, John, most Christians, and uh, count myself in that number, sing songs and like to sing songs about grace like a river. And really, uh, that is another description of grace, uh, this river that we're talking about today. We'll see that in the coming portion. Let's look at a couple more verses that give us this uh, sense, I believe, in verse 6 and verse 9 of chapter 47. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me and brought me back along the bank of the river. And every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes shall live. And there will be very many fish when this water comes there. And the water of the sea shall be healed. And everything shall live wherever the river comes. Ooh, we need this healing river. Here's Witness Lee with our final portion. You know, when we didn't have the grace of the Lord as they flow. We could do whatever we liked. It was so convenient. But when the Lord's flow comes in a shallow way, we still could walk by our own effort. But when the flow grows deeper, we will have the sensation, my, it is really awkward. On the one hand, you have the grace. On the other hand, but still the grace is not so sufficient. You still have to exercise your own effort. The throw becomes a kind of bothering, a restriction, frustration, and so forth. Then the grace grows, you know, hair to load. I tell you, this will be the hardest time for you to be a Christian. For you to lose your temper, it's not so easy. And for you to overcome your temper is not sufficient. You are just in a kind of dilemma. Neither way is is so easy. 
Now you have the grace, so deep, but not deep enough. Then, until the grace of the water of life grows so deep that it becomes a river that you cannot pass over, you have to swim in. You know, when people swim, people give up the two feet. <laughs> Let go! This is to swim. To swim means that you would never stand on your two feet. You just give up the standing. Let the two feet go. Don't be offended by me. Many of you are still struggling. You are still standing on your two feet, exercising your own effort to be an overcomer. But you need more grace. You need a deeper flow that you will give up the standing. Let your two feet go. Then you are swimming. Forget about your effort. Let the water flow to you. It's wonderful. Wonderful. I tell you, this is grace. This is the sufficient grace. But you have to go along with the flow. Okay. Now the flow is here. Hallelujah. Now the flow is a river. Not a trickle. Not few drops. A river. Now everything shall leave. Full of life. The only thing that is so important is life. It's life. Everything shall leave where the river comes. John, usually uh, the songs we sing on this topic are somewhat simple. They're very enjoyable, but they're somewhat simple. We just have grace like a river. But what we just heard is not so simple. This is deep, this is profound, and it's very experiential. Help us again to uh, catch the point he's making here. Well, one of the songs that you're referring to that I really enjoy always singing is Grace as a River Shall Flow. Right. And it implies that there's this unlimited enjoyment, and that is the reality. But this picture of grace is also real according to our experience and according to the biblical revelation. It is not a picture of unmerited favor. It's a picture of restriction. And it's so appropriate because I think we've all had these experiences of being in the body of water, and the deeper we get into that body of water, the harder it is for us to move. Right. When it's just ankle deep, it's like there's no problem walking in the water. But when it's up to our chest, it's, we're kind of trudging through very, very slowly. And eventually, when you get to a certain point, you have to swim. Yeah. And so that's an indication that in our experience of grace arises in our being, we actually become more restricted by the Lord. It's not that the Lord piles upon us blessing after blessing, and we can say that the grace is a river is flowing because we're receiving so much unmerited favor, but we're receiving grace because we know that the Lord's restricting life is operating in our being. There was a point in time when Paul was restricted to his physical situation by the grace the Lord said, my grace is sufficient in this very restrictive physical situation. Mm. All you have is my grace. Mm-hmm. And so this is such a different picture of grace as opposed to this notion of an unmerited favor. But it, it is the flow of life, 
the flow of the divine life that removes from us the need to struggle and strive in our self-effort to carry on in the Christian life. We have a different supply and a different flow and a different source that lifts us off and out of our self-effort into a realm where we are flowing with God and this God is in full control and we are satisfied with that uh, arrangement. Yeah, the real picture here is a paradox. Because on the one hand, it is the full, all-sufficient supply for us to carry out what God intends for us. Right. But it also, as you pointed out, becomes a complete restricting, limiting element that stops us from doing what we would do by ourselves. And this is not our kind of natural thought about grace. As you said, we like to think of grace as that where we just experience blessing after blessing. Eventually, we are just free to go and do whatever we want. But it's actually quite the opposite. We're free to go but only where the river's going. Right, and that's where the real blessing is. That's where the real uh, enjoyment is, and that's where the real uh, manifestation of God's building is, when you can be in a situation where the restriction is really your greatest freedom. And then all shall live. And right. we are healed, and everything around us is healed as well. That's the final point. Wherever that river of grace flows, it heals, and it brings life to all the places that it touches. Wow. Ooh, this is one of these programs you'd like to linger on and wish we had another 30 minutes, but our time is up. For John Pester, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Did you know that you can now enjoy the writings of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee on your PC or Mac, tablet, e-reader, or smartphone? Just go to lsm.org slash ePublications to find out more. Again, that's lsm.org slash ePublications. And thanks for listening today.